Finding your seat and opening your Bible, stand with me, Matthew chapter 6. We'll be reading verses 1 to 4. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll read together. Am I on verses 1, 2, 3, and 4? We'll be reading together. All right, I'm going to teach you this morning about kingdom giving. How to give in to the kingdom of God. All right, let's begin. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, together. Take heed that ye do not your arms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Let's bow. Father, now we're going to talk about money. We're talking about money being given to people who we think would never appreciate it. And yet we're called to do it. Lord, sometimes the giving doesn't just help the recipient, it helps the giver. And we need a lot of help, Lord. We're, we're very selfish as a generation. We're some of the most narcissistic, self-centered people of all of history. And it's a shame that it's part of the, Christ, of the Christian church. So Lord, would you convict us this morning and help us, God, that we would realize that not only are our lives not our own, but our money is not our own. And our compassion and our, our view of this world ought to be one of caring. Not that we can do a lot, but we can do something. So, Lord, I pray that you would help me to be more of a giver. Help all of us, God, to be like Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. All right. What if I told you that there was a way to invest a penny, a euro, maybe a hundred euros, and a return to you 30 times, 60 times, or even a hundred times back on an, on an investment. Would I be talking about buying gold, Bitcoin? How about investing in property? Surely that will give you a good return. But what could give you a hundred times back? Nothing has ever given you that. You might, you might have noticed back uh, over the years, if you bought your home like we did 25 years ago, the value of our home has gone up three times, maybe as much as four times in value. Now, every other home has two, so it's funny money because you're not becoming wealthier. You actually are just as poor as you were the day you bought your house because everything else went up in price too. But I got, on a house, I got three times, maybe four times my investment. What would give you 100 times on your investment? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's when you give your money away. 
is when you give your money away to truly poor people, when you invest your life in someone who can never pay you back, someone that costs you your time and probably will never say a proper thank you. And they probably will come back again and again and they will need more and they will need more. Jesus speaks right to our heart in Matthew chapter 6. And he speaks to our wallet. I think it's, I think it's true that we all love to get money. How many of you have the terrible habit of you get a card and you open it up, and when you open the card up, you kind of protect it in case there's money in there and it won't fall out. And then you go, yeah, there's no money in there. <laughs> Come on, you are just as wicked as I am. We love to receive money out of nowhere. We would love to go to the, go to the uh, uh, letterbox and see a letter drop in and open it up and it's got money in it. We would love that. It never happens, but we would love it. But almost none of us love to give money away. I mean, give it away. Jesus intends to change that. And so he talks about our money here, and he commands us to give it away. So let's start here with, by way of background, let's define what the word alms mean. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, Take heed that you do not your alms. Verse 2, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms. Alms is, alms is anything given with no strings attached to relieve the poor. Like when you give money, or food, or clothing, or shelter. Today, the modern word for alms is charity. Charity's got a negative word meaning today. But alms is an old word, it's an old Anglo-Saxon word that means mercy giving. Giving from the heart. Kindness-driven giving to people in need. Jesus honors people who show mercy and compassion. Go back to chapter 5 and verse 7. Jesus says, blessed are the, what's the word there? Merciful. Jesus honors when we act out of mercy, out of compassion, out of kindness. So alms is a gift given freely from your own heart. It's not a tax. <laughs> it's not forced on you. Almsgiving is, is a gift given freely from your own heart. Notice Jesus said, when thou doest thine alms. Not if you do it, but you know, when. I'll talk about that. He'll, he expects us to do it, but he expects us to want to do it. It is at our own expense, by the way. Almsgiving is something, you don't reach into somebody else's pocket to meet somebody else's need, like the politicians do. You reach into your own pocket. You take money from your own plans and you free and you give at your own expense and it is a righteous act it is a godly action when you care about others it actually counts not towards salvation not towards heaven but it counts for reward in heaven if you're if you're saved you actually can invest in heaven not by gathering money and piling it away, putting it under the mattress, digging it and putting it in a hole, is when you give it away, you're actually earning rewards in heaven. It is a righteous act. Now, Jesus wants to answer very important questions about giving. One is, what does giving look like? What does it look like when you give? Now, the Pharisees had it down to an art. When they came into the synagogue, there was a time where everybody stood up and everybody was, was, was showing off 
what, what they brought, and, and they, they made sure that when they gave it into the box that it was big and visible, and it made a big ding when it hit, hit the, the other things inside there. What does real giving look like? When should a Christian give money, and to who? And why give to people who can never give back? So, i got to warn you, you're ready to let go of your wallets this morning because Jesus aims to own everything about us. So, let's start with almsgiving. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus expects us to give. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, Take heed, take careful careful attention that you do not your alms before everybody, in front of everybody, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, verse 3, but when thou doest alms, what is he saying? He's saying it's expected of us. In the Old Testament, God's law expected God's people to care about other people, especially people in need. Go to Psalm 37. Leave your Bible here for a few minutes. We'll go to Psalm 37 and verse 23. Psalm 37. Some of my most favorite verses, really encouraging verses to me, but we only quote a part of it. Psalm 37 and verse 23. Bless you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. They're laid out by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. You ought to delight in whatever plan, whatever calling God's got for your life. Though he, she, fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For, aren't you glad, the Lord upholdeth him with his mighty hand. But we haven't finished. Verse 25 says, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Why? Because verse 26 says, A godly man, a righteous man, is ever what? And he lendeth, and his seed, his children, are blessed. And when it says lend, we're going to learn what that means in a moment. Go to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. Now, if somebody gives you something, it is not wrong for you to feel like you need to pay it back. Amen? Amen. And I want you to understand. That's why the word that you lend is used. If you lend something to somebody else, you lend them some money, they ought to feel, man, I ought to, I ought to not just live on people's money. I ought to get a job and start myself giving. So there's a lend here. But I want you to see, when you do lend money, you never expect it back. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17 says this, He that hath pity upon the poor is actually lending unto who? Lending unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he, God, pay him again. So even if somebody that you give to never pays you back, it doesn't matter, God will. God will. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 25. Proverbs 21 and verse 25. The desire of the slothful. What's a slothful person? What is another word? Lazy. Sloth has got that idea. They just crawl out of bed at four in the afternoon. The desire of the slothful killeth him. He wants something, but he won't get up and do it. 
for his hands refused to labor. Verse 26, he coveteth greedily all the day long. All he does is want to have stuff, but the righteous giveth and spareth not. So a lazy person will always want and will never be happy and will complain because they don't have something. But a righteous just gives and gives and gives and spares not. Doesn't say, well, that's my last euro. I don't care. Psalm, back to Psalm 41 now. Psalm 41 and verse 1. We're only looking at a few scriptures in the Old Testament about giving, of God's people giving to take care of people in need. Psalm 41 and verse 1. Blessed is he. Well off is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. Amen. So God, in, in the Old Testament, expected His people to care about other people, especially people in need. Jesus, when He came along, I'm sure the disciples, I'm sure the people listening said, surely He's going to change that. We don't have to worry about anybody else anymore. Uh, Jesus is just going to magically take care of everybody. We don't have to do anything. That's not what He did. Giving is part of the Christ-like life still today. How many people did Jesus just walk up to and give of himself to? Just about everybody. The lepers, the crippled, the blind, the poor, the dying, even the dead. <laughs> he would raise up. Without exception, he gave. Amen. His was a life of giving. Who could give him something? I mean, there were people who came along and he'd sit down and they'd give him a bowl of soup or he would eat and they were being kind to him. But boy, everywhere he went, he just gave. It was, it is the Christ-like life today. He expects us to do the same. Look at Luke 12. Luke 12, 29. Luke 12, 29. Seek not that ye, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, or neither be of doubtful mind. So what's he saying? Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't be planning on all the schedules of what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Verse 30, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the... All right, so you're seeking an invisible kingdom, a kingdom that is not part of this world. Seek the kingdom of God. And how many of these things? All these needs shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. That's us. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you this kingdom. Verse 33, sell that ye have. And from that, give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. That's a, that's a treasure chest that never grows old. A treasure where? In the heavens. That faileth not, where no thief approaches, and neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus expects almsgiving of us. And, and really, you can tell whether you are living in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of this world based on what your heart dreams about and thinks about and loves. You see, this goes against all the modern Western emphasis. And, and not all of it is wrong, but let me say, our modern 
Culture tells us to focus on retirement funds, pensions, make sure you hoard, make sure you got enough, investments. Not that all of those are wrong. It is right for you to save and invest and have something to pass on to your children and your children's children. But those things are supposed to be only focused on after you have a heart and a lifestyle of giving your money away. You see, the, 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 the people that are truly blessed are not the people that have money, but that have learned to give it away. Now, not uh, somebody says, well, should I just give all my money away? No, 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 no. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Especially if you have a wife and children. <laughs> you want to be by yourself and give all your money away? Fair dues. Do it. But if you've got a wife and kids and you've got bills, you better make sure you take care of that first. 1 Timothy 5.8 But if any of us provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, He's denied the faith, and he is worse than a who? All right, an infidel is, is somebody, you're worse than, than a hypocrite, worse than the worst kind of, of person, an infidel. I mean, it's the worst name you could call somebody. You're worse than an infidel if you don't care of your own, take care of your own family, if you don't take care of your own bills. Did you know you're responsible, responsible to take care of your family? I can't do it. You're to do it. The government's not supposed to take care of your kids. You are. You're responsible for paying every bill you generate. You get a bill for electricity. Do not apply for a grant. You build, you build it, you pay it. Amen. Say, I can't pay it. Maybe there will be a time where you financially cannot and you slip and you need help. Amen. But your desire and your work is to get to the place where you pay your bills. We have generations of young men who are lazy and worthless. And I fear and I pity the woman who marry or live with a guy who won't work and pay his bills. Because she'll work. And they won't have a marriage. They'll have a compromise. You're responsible for tithing to God. You don't live it to somebody else. You know, it's just as hard for me to tithe as it is for you. Amen. And you're supposed to tithe. Amen. You're responsible for paying the taxes you owe. Amen. But and after all of that, guess who comes next? Not you. Others. People in need. It used to be that Bible-believing Christianity made its mark on this world because Christians cared about the world. They were the poorest because they gave. Today, Christians live very well off, and we leave it to the government to take care of everybody. After you've taken care of others, then you can take care of yourself. You can get that new Xbox you want to get. You can get that newer car, that bigger phone. But you better make sure that you don't take what you know ought to be given to somebody in need and give it to yourself. Because God will not bless it. Because that is God's order in the Christian's life. Now, who are the others? Who are the others that are the recipients of our almsgiving? Not your friends, not your well-off neighbors. You know what happens is if you treat your well-off neighbor to a dinner, guess what they're going to do for you? They're going to invite you over for dinner. And that's not wrong, but you cannot ever consider yourself a giver when you're a give and taker. Is everybody with me? All right. So 
Do not consider, oh, well, I bought my neighbor a beautiful plant. I am a giver. You liar. You did it to be seen of men, and you got your reward because you know they're going, oh, isn't he the best neighbor? I just want to go and buy him something. Be very cautious about who you think you're giving to. And also, I've already said this, the others aren't to the soft or the lazy person. There are, there are people who are poor, and there are people who are poor by choice. There are people who will not work, and they, they, they're not being forced to work. And you say, well, it'd be wrong to force it. Uh, it's wrong to force me to pay for people who won't work. It's wrong to force you to, be, to pay for people who don't want to work. We're not talking about people who need help. We're talking about people who are lazy. We already read that. It says, if you don't work, you should not what? Eat. Proverbs 19.15 says, Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. You know, the lazier you are, the more you sleep. And an idle soul shall suffer hunger. At least it ought to. Amen. Hunger is a great motivator. Amen. You want to know how to motivate your 14-year-old to, to uh, get busy doing something, whether at the house or going to the neighbor mowing grass? Don't feed them. Amen. But our others are the people who are truly poor. We need to learn to give to people who are in a bad way, people who have no way to pay their bills, people who cannot work, people who will never pay you back for your kindness. And by the way, they will take and take, and you'll give, and they, they, they just keep expecting you to give, and you go, this has got to stop. <laughs> you'll be very frustrated with this because they're not like Everybody else, they're in a bad way, and when you help them, you're not fixing them. They need more. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But you know, you need to care is the beginning. God needs his people to act first, not the government. Leviticus, back in the Old Testament again, Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus 25, 35. This is kind of interesting. Leviticus 25, 35, And if thy brother be waxen poor, he becomes poor, and falleth in decay with thee, then thou shalt relieve him, take over some of his debt, yea, though he be a stranger or a sojourner or a traveler, that he may live with thee. You may have to open up your own house and allow him to move in to get him on his feet because he's gotten into a bad bad patch. God expect you know that was in the Old Testament? That's a good thing to do. A lot of people do that, by the way. Look at chapter 19, Leviticus 19, verse 10. Talking about giving. Not giving to the church, but giving to the poor. Leviticus 19.10 says, And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard, Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord. Now, none of us are farmers. But if you can imagine a, a field that's two acres and it's filled with grapes or ten acres. I don't know. It's filled with vines and grapes. Well, you instruct. God said you instruct your, your, your harvesters, your gatherers who go, don't gather up every grape. Leave some on the vine. Leave some on the corners. Why? So that when you finished and you go home and you're weighing all of your produce, 
poor people can come in and can gather the gleanings, gather what's left over. Make sure there's enough for them too. People who are truly poor. Deuteronomy 15. Deuteronomy. So they'll write a little bit. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 7. Now I'm talking to a Western world, Western culture, that really does not think about the poor because we believe they're being taken care of already by who? By the government. So therefore, why are you talking about this, Pastor? This doesn't apply to me. I'm afraid everything in the Bible applies. And so if the government takes over something, there's got to be a reason. And it's not good. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 7, If there be among you a poor man of any of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, watch this, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother, but thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him, don't hold anything back, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there be not a thought in thine wicked heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release, it's at hand. And thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him naught. And he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be a sin unto thee. In those days, you, you had times where uh, after every seven years, there was a forgiveness, and after 50 years, all debts were forgiven. And if you said, oh, it's, it's just one more year till all debts have to be forgiven, and he'll be fine in a year. No. If he needs your help today, when should you give? Today. Don't say, oh, he's getting his pay packet in two weeks. No, no, no. Give it to him today. Keep going. Thou shalt surely give to him. And thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. <laughs> I don't want to give to him. Because that for this thine, for this thine the Lord... Because that for this thing, I couldn't see the E on the, the G. For this thing, the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works. What did I tell you? You just give money away and God blesses you and in all that thou puttest thy hand to. Luke 14. Gospel of Luke chapter 14. I got to tell you, we'll get back on the tribulation, on the Antichrist, and on the coming raptures, but... See, everybody's excited about that stuff, but this stuff we don't want to hear. So the Lord just said, give it to them. So, told you, warned you. Luke 14, verse 12. This is Jesus. Then said he unto them that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made to thee, and they invite you over to their house. But when thou makest a feast, who should you call? The poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, the people who, when they start coming down your, your path or down your street, you have to go and get them and guide them into the house. You may have to go pick them up. You may have to carry them into the house. You may have to clean up after them. Jesus says, verse 14, Thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. We are supposed to give. We're supposed to give to people who are truly poor. Now, how do you do it? Oh, I already know. 
It's got to be unnoticed. Back there in Matthew chapter 6, did you notice how Jesus said it? Matthew chapter 6. Just read first three verses there. Take heed that you do not your alms before men publicly to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward, no blessing, no honor from the, your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they already have the reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. So almsgiving must be unnoticed. Now, Christians live very publicly. We don't go to church in secret. I hope you didn't sort of, you know, pull your car way out of the nowhere so nobody could see that your car was nearby, and then you ran to the side of the wall and came along looking to see if anybody saw you coming in here. No, Christianity, we, we go to church in public. We don't baptize in secret. We don't keep our beliefs secret. We do most everything we do publicly and honestly and out in the open. Amen. We have a financial meeting every year, our general uh, business meeting. We go over every penny. We explain what we did with it and what we're going to do with it the next year. It's all public. But we are to be secret in our praying. Look at 6.6. When thou prayest, Enter thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So prayer is not supposed to be, oh, watch me pray. Fasting, verse 17, when thou, but thou, when thou fasts, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So when you fast, nobody should know that you're fasting and in our giving. He says, when you do your alms, do it secretly. That means no one should know how much you give. No one should see how much you give. The Pharisees, as I said, love to stand up and say, I give you these 150 euros today, oh God. Everybody heard them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if there were people in this room who every time that, that, you know, they came into church. They says, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know, I got another 100 euros to put in that, letter bo that offering box right there. Watch, 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 watch carefully. <laughs> now we can have church. Can you imagine what church would be like if people thought that that was how you give? And yet that's what it was like in the synagogues. It is important that no one knows what we give. No one knows how much we give. But it is important that people know that we do give. You know, it's important for your children to see you give. They need to see it because they don't know how to do it. I'll be quite honest with you. I still do not remember the amount. But when I first got saved and I went on Sunday afternoons to get my discipleship, it was very simple, plain uh, uh, Christian living in front of me, explaining questions. But Jack and Maureen Smith, who, who got me to go out to church and everything, uh, we'd have lunch, we'd sit there and maybe watch a football game, or we'd just talk about the Bible. And one time, he pulled out his checkbook, and he started to write a check, and he says, Do you know how to tithe? I said, I don't know what a tithe is. He said, Well, what you do, and he showed me in the verse, the Bible says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, the local storehouse there, 
and a uh, tithe is one-tenth, and he showed me his pay slip. He says, there are two numbers there. One's the hard number, one's the easy number. The easy number is net. The hard number is gross. It's kind of a backward word. But gross means everything I got this past week, and that's the number I tithe off of, and I just drop the last digit, and I give one-tenth, which is, oh, I don't know what it was. And he just wrote it on the check, and he um, uh, pulled the check out of that, folded it up, put it in the offering envelope, and he says, that's how easy it is. And I never looked back, and I says, that's how I'll do it. It was that simple. Didn't matter what the amount was, I didn't care. He just wanted to show me, you need to do it. And I saw him smile. I never heard him ever complain that he had to give his time. It's important for other Christians to see believers give away their money with joy and with gladness, without any boasting, though. Example, here's a guy who wants to show his wife he loves her, so he gets her flowers and says, so, what do you think? Look at how beautiful they are. You must wonder how you got to be the luckiest girl in the world to be married to me. <laughs> because look what the flowers I brought you. It'd be a whole lot better if he just brought those flowers in, maybe put them on her vanity or put them on the center of the table, put a little note on there saying, I'm your secret lover, and then waited for her to notice it. It'd be much better for that, amen? Am I giving you some hints? More about this in a few minutes. Giving will always expose your heart. Verse 2 says, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before men as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory. Oh, they love when people said, Oh, it's Father so-and-so. Oh, it's Bishop so-and-so. Oh, it's Father. It's, it's Reverend so-and-so. I had a guy phone me up a couple of weeks ago doing the interview uh, for the newspaper, and he says, uh, uh, Do you want me to call you Reverend? I went, No. <laughs> no, I'm a pastor. Reverend is a really high up name that belongs to God, not to me. He went, wow, that's the first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> no, no, no. Some people love to be called Reverend, Father. Oh, your holiness. <laughs> you know what? You have your reward. That's your reward, man. And when it comes to this, the, in the synagogues, it shows your heart when you want everybody to watch you do something for God. Hearing or seeing someone in need will expose your heart, whether you have one or not, and whether God has your heart or the devil does. Make sure you're nothing like the religious are. Make sure you're nothing like the politicians are today, who only give to be seen, who only do kind things to be noticed, who will only sound a trumpet and make an announcement when they give something away, and I hate watching politicians. I really, really hate watching them announcing the giving away of more money that was not theirs to give away in the first place. You know what the word liberal means? Giver. And yet we have people in government who call themselves liberals who don't give a penny. They take your money and they give it to somebody else and they call themselves liberals. You know who true liberals are? Are the people who go up and pull out of their own pocket and give it without anybody else noticing. I'm a liberal. Not politically, but givingly. Did you know Ireland is on track to spend 76.3 billion euros this year? Of which 21 billion 
is going to be spent on social protection, social causes. Whew. That's a third of all money that is going to be spent is going to be spent on getting votes. Amen. That's what the government does now. The government has people say, I need this, and they just take care of that need, and then they raise some more taxes, or they go more into debt. By the way, 10 billion, over 15% of the Irish economy money that is being spent by the government is to pay for debt in, in trying to take care of people and take care of needs that were meant for Christians to take care of. The government's doing our job, and we ought to be ashamed of it. Because that is dangerous. When the government is taking care of people, they don't need God. And Christians don't need God then. Because when you're a giver, all of a sudden you don't have any money. <laughs> and you're going to have to pray and say, Lord, I gave all my money away. <laughs> uh, I guess I need some daily bread today. You know, our government only seeks one thing. That's the glory and the honor of praise for taking care of people. They want that, and they do not deserve it. And neither do we when we give. All glory belongs to God who gives us everything. Make sure you're nothing like that. Now, why not be that way? Well, simply because God knows when you ever, when you ever do give something, you're not giving it to give to help anybody. You only get, gave to get praise. You don't give like the Pharisees and the politicians because you have your reward then, and that reward will fade fast. And because you are proving yourself to be a hypocrite, and that's the worst thing that Christ could call a Christian. You're a hypocrite, a fraud. You're an actor. You're not the real thing. So let me put you to a test this morning. Let me ask you some questions. Don't answer them, but do answer them in your heart. Number one, let me ask you, do you regularly give to the poor with no strings attached? Do you have to be asked to give your money away or begged or bribed? Do you grumble when money and needs are mentioned around you? You say, oh, they're already talking about money again. That reveals your heart. Have you ever actually given anything away recently that you really wanted to keep and spend on yourself? Come on. Oh, but I got, but I got these needs. Of course you've got needs. Have you ever just given away something that you wanted, but you saw a need? Do you only give away unwanted things? I'll never wear this. Well, these shoes, they won't fit me anymore. So here. <laughs> Weston. <laughs> Inside joke. Do you, ever, do you ever have pocket money that's easy to give away because it's just jingling in your pocket? Do you look at poor people as a bother to you? Do you only give when you get a tax break for it? Do you expect other people to care, but not you? You know, if we needed, if there was a need right now, and we have met needs, we've been gone through a very deep need, and people have given, but if we had, we got another need, would you say, well, somebody else will take care of it. I don't have it. I know, I know, we all have the excuses. But ask yourself, when was the last time you just said, I'll give, without question? Do you expect the government to take care of the needs of the poor instead of you? I imagine most of us in this room 
don't answer those things well. Let me show you how you're supposed to give. Matthew 6, and verse 19. Matthew 6, 19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. That means don't pile up your treasures here because moths and rust is going to ruin your investments and where thieves will break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. What's the point? Do something that will transfer that giving into eternity. That's how you give. You say, well, that person, you're probably going to spend on drugs. I know. That person's probably got it. He goes down and gets his money. I understand all that. But there are times when the Holy Spirit says give, and you go, oh, all the excuses. Don't do that. Don't do that. Our eye has to be moved with compassion, not, not criticalness. Because there are benefits and blessings of just giving money away. Like what? <laughs> well, Jesus promises that there is a payback, a, a, a return on your personal investment. The world knows it too. Let me read you some quotes. This is by Anne Frank. If you know anything about her, she smuggled Jews out of Holland there and risked her life and ended up in Auschwitz and in a concentration camp. She said, no one has ever become poor by giving. And I'm testimony of that. No one is useless. This is Charles Dickens. It's not my wife's dad, although his name is Charles Dickens. Anyway, Charles Dickens, the author of A Christmas Carol. He said, no one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. Here's, an, here's one. Somebody said, there is no exercise better for the heart than reaching down and lifting people up. The guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, his name was John Bunyan, a 17th century writer, author, and preacher, Baptist preacher. He said this, You have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. What a convicting thought. You know what the blessings are of giving, just giving away? You'll never lack. Guaranteed. Proverbs 28. Go back to Proverbs 28. Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs 28 and verse 27. You know what I fear? I fear in this day in Ireland, Christians want to hobnob with well-off Christians. Christians want to be seen with people who claim the name of Christ and have a nice new Jaguar or a, or a fancy house or have, have a holiday twice and three times a year, and they want to hang around with that. And I read in my Bible history, Christians throughout history have been poor, not because they were poor, but because they gave their money away. I have testimony after testimony of that's how people lived from Acts chapter 2 on. They just sold their lands. They just gave their money to make sure everybody was taken care of. Proverbs 28, 27 says this, he that giveth unto the poor shall not, amen, that's a promise from God, and he that hideth his eyes, however, shall have many a curse. Now, you'll probably never be rich by giving your money away, but you will never lack. Go to Luke 6, Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Luke 6, 38. 
Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. You know, how many like a cup of coffee when you go up there and you say, I have an Americano, I have a cappuccino, and they give it to you in this big cup, and it's only about a third full. You ever get upset at that? See, the Lord doesn't do things in thirds. He does things overflowing. It'll be good measure back to you, pressed down, shaken together. It's like when you have flour or when you have something like... like uh, uh, Remember when you when I when 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 we had our kids, uh, we'd go and buy this big box of Rice Krispies, and we'd open it up, and it's only half. The box is like you have to carry it, you know, two hands, but it's only half filled. Well, this says, "Good measure, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure." A bunch of Skinflints we are, same measure that ye meet, you measure with all, it shall be measured to you again. You won't lie. Guarantee. Secondly, you will be happier as you give. Acts 20, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Acts 20, 35. I have showed you all things, Paul says, Acts 20, 35. I've been an example to you in everything. That so laboring, so working a job, ye ought to support the who? The weak, the infirm, the feeble, those who can't work. You ought to labor so you can support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You'll be happier. You'll be more blessed. You teach your children to be givers and not spoil brats like they are, you'll have a happier home. Number three, you'll be more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace. You know what grace is? It's the givingness. The kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, look at this, he became poor, which means everything he did cost him. He's walking along, a woman struggles to get to him, crawling on the ground. People are stepping on her, stepping over her, pushing her out of the way. She crawls and she just touches the hem of his garment and Jesus says, who touched me? And Peter says, everybody's touching you, Lord. Why would you ask that? And he says, Virtue has gone out from me. Strength has left me. There's somebody who's been healed because they believed. And he looked and he saw her. And he said, woman, thy faith has made thee whole. What happened? It drained him. In that act, it cost him. So though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became what? Poor. That ye through his poverty might be rich. You know, when you end up just helping others, just investing in others. And I sometimes get very convicted because in my life, I don't know about yours, but in my life, I've had hundreds of people in my life who invest in, when my dad left, there was, um, I was not a Christian, we weren't in a, in a godly home or anything, but I had uh, a, a, um, a friend that took an interest in me and 
um, I don't know if it's, this is not interesting to anybody like you, you guys, but got me, I was interested in astronomy and would come and pick me up and pick up a couple of other guys my age, 17 years old, I'm sorry, I was, I was um, uh, uh, 14 years old, and we would go out and stay up all night with our little rinky-dink telescopes, drawing and talking about what we saw in the stars, and he would bring me home and bring us home, and it was just magic that somebody would invest time in me, giving me an appreciation for the stars, the colors, the order of the universe. Before I ever knew there was a God or creator, I was awed by this because somebody invested and says, Ledbetter needs some help. Ledbetter needs some diversion so he doesn't end up on the drug row, so he doesn't end up with everybody else who just gets angry at the world. And that's, I can give hundreds of people who invested in me. I'm blessed because others invested. Let me tell you what. You'll be more like Jesus when you just see somebody. I'm going to go and try to encourage them. I'm going to, you know, listen, there's not a parent in this room who doesn't wish somebody would notice all their effort on their kids. Just say something nice. Just say, man, your kid's awesome. If you invest and say something nice, you could make somebody's weak. Amen? You'll be more like Jesus. And you'll be invested in heaven's economy. I think heaven's economy has never taken a dip. Never gone into recession. Heaven's economy is only up and up and up. Matthew 19, 21 says this, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast and give to the poor, and then thou shalt have treasures in heaven. And just come and follow me, Jesus said. To a very rich man. And the rich man said, Nah. And went away very sorrowful. All that you give away will be waiting in heaven for you to spend for all eternity. Think about that. I sometimes imagine, I've, I've seen, I've gone door knocking, I've met somebody who just bought their first home. And you know what's in it? Nothing. <laughs> they, can't afford, they can't afford couches and everything. And can you imagine, think about, if you do nothing here that, that is worthy of, of honoring the Lord Jesus only and doing it just at your own cost to be a blessing to somebody else, if there's no investing in heaven and you go to heaven, there's a mansion there and no furniture, you'll know who to blame. You. You sent nothing up. There's a blessing that you're going to enjoy for all eternity if you have it. There's going to be tears in heaven. Some of them are because you sent nothing ahead. So what is giving look like? Well, it looks like simple things. Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 8. Paul is teaching, instructing about different gifts of the Spirit among Christians, and he says, he that exhorteth, talk about preaching, on exhorting, exhorting, exhortation, sorry, he that giveth, let him do it with what? That means no debating, no arguing, no excusing, no expecting anything back. Just give. Maybe you need to give some money, some clothes. Maybe you just need to give the best of yourself without any fanfare. Never think of all the times you gave and somebody never said thank you. Never keep record of all the times you give. Just go up to somebody and give them what you can. Every Christian should constantly be giving their money away simply and regularly. Secondly, do it invisibly. Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, which is a very 
Strange analogy, because they're both connected to the same body, but if you could work it out so the left hand could be busy doing something else and you just quickly put something in, that's the idea. That's why we have a box over there. We never make anybody's attention and say, oh, everybody look, the neon sign says give here. No, it doesn't do that. It's so that people can come up at any time, at any uh, um, point, and just put money in, nobody looking around, nobody knows how much. You do it basically, invisibly, and yet evidently. Everyone ought to know that we give because people are blessed. You know, Balancholic and Cork, Cork should be blessed by our church. Not by the fact that we walk around shining and beaming with great joy, but that we actually make a difference in people's lives, both physically and spiritually. That's why we go soul winning. But that's also why we reach out with 12 Weeks to Freedom, why we go out of our way to help and to do something for people who are in a bad way. And but for the grace of God, there would we be. You know what Acts chapter 2 says? It says, all that believed were together and had all things common, and they sold their possessions and goods. They parted them to all men as every man had need. They washed out for one another. Acts chapter 4 says, the multitude that believed were of one heart, one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which were possessed was his own. They had all things common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was neither any of them that lacked, for as many as were possessing of lands or houses, they sold them and brought the prices of things that were sold. They laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man as he had need. Give evidently. It, 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 it shouldn't be, well, we don't give. No, no. People should know, no, this church is a giving church. Third, give compassionately. Look at Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 25. But now I go into Jerusalem and to minister unto the saints. For it pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia, these churches, to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are where? Back at Jerusalem. These churches in Macedonia and Achaia, they took up an offering to take care of people who were going through poverty back in Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are, these Christians in Macedonia and Achaia, for if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, the things that were taught from Jerusalem, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. You know what that means? In money, in clothes, in shelter. Give compassionately. You ought to just love to come together and give and meet the needs of others. It ought to be a mark of Christianity that we just are givers. Give obediently. 2 Corinthians to the right. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians 9, 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Just hold there for a moment. Purposely means you need to decide in your heart and overrule your your, your, your wallet to give money away, even when you don't want to give money away. It's best to make sure you always have money to give away. I've learned this. The mark of a man or a, Christ, or a woman's maturity and character is when they give because Christ said to, not because they feel like it. 
Immature babies cry over how little money they have and cry over being selfish and what they want to have. Happy Christians love to give their money away. And I'll say it again and again, because look at the last half of that verse. It says there in 9-7, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, with a bad attitude, or of necessity, for God loveth a what kind of a giver? All right. So you can't be miserly. You can't be stingy. You can't be a skinflint. How many of you ever heard that term before, skinflint? That's an American term. You can't be a cheap skate. Is that an Irish term? Yeah, now you know. You can't be a money grubber. You can't be a tightwad. You can't be sad and disappointed about getting to, about not being able to keep your money, but cheerful. You know what cheerful means? Thrilled. Now, I was only in one church this ever happened, and I'm not sure that it's right that you do it, but it was really wild. The church near Washington, D.C., and uh, when I got in there, it came time for the offering. They all clapped. And they all went, Woo! Amen! And they bowed their head and they said, Thank you, God, that we get to give. Thank you. It's a thrill to give, Lord. And we just give you our best right now. It may not be much, but we give it all to you and may it meet the needs of countless others. In Jesus' name, amen. And they clapped and then they passed the offering plate. I'd never seen it before in my life. I'm not sure that, you know, we need to do that, but I'm going to say this. That'll make you know, that's what cheerful giving looks like. Do it contentedly. <laughs> say that ten times. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content, what? With such things you have. You're never going to give if you're not stopping and go, you know, I've got enough. I want to make sure he or she has more. She has what they need. Matthew 6, 25 says, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Pity the, the teenagers growing up and all they live for is clothes, looks, and people admiring them. Make sure you give as if you're given to Jesus. Look at Matthew 25. This is the most convicting scripture of all, and we're done. Matthew 25. Verse 31. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, this is going to be the millennial reign, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. Verse 32, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, uh, when saw we thee a hungered, and fed thee, or, or thirsty, and, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and when did we clothe thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. 
So that'll change the whole thing because the next half has another group and he says, guys, you didn't take care of me. And he says, Lord, if we had only known it was you, we would have taken care of you. He says, nope, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, into everlasting fire, because you couldn't see me. You only saw yourselves. Give us unto Jesus. You know, when you're on the job and you're working for your boss, guess who Jesus expects you to actually be serving? Jesus. So your boss, your employer, that manager, that supervisor, ought to feel like royalty around you. You say, well, I don't like doing that. That's because you're Western. But if you're Christian, you will bless those above you, around you, below you, because you're a servant. Give as to Jesus. Do everything as if you're doing it for him. Here's the summary. Live to give. Spend and be spent. Paul said this, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Gladly end up poor for you. Start giving right away. I bet there's plenty of people who are in there who say, I wish I could win the lottery so I could give some money to the church. That is stupid. Because you won't. We'll see you move away off to an island off of the coast of Ireland if you got a lot of the lottery. You wouldn't give it. You, if you're waiting to get money before you give, you'll never give. Nod your head. Start now. Start honoring God. And you know, God says, you know how you first start learning to give? You give your tithe so that you start learning, you know, my money's not my own. It first belongs to God, then to others, then to myself. Thirdly, get a job. <laughs> Nod your head. Get a job so that you have something to give. Everybody gets a job so they can get a bigger screen TV. I go into Tesco and the TVs are there. And they, I mean, you could live in that box. And it's like, that's what everybody, I, I got to get another job so I can get a bigger TV, so I can put it on the edge of my bed so I don't get sleep at night. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him work. Let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So a thief needs to learn to work with his hands so that he earns some money to give to somebody in need. Save your money. People spend up all money and they end up with no money by the, by the 20th of the month or whatever you go, how long you get, three days into your pay packet. Save some so that you have money to give. Make sure, oh, tithe. Already said that. And then trust God for your needs. Trust God for your needs. Philippians 4.19 has this great verse, and we'll stop with this. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Okay? But in context, Paul's promising that to the Philippians and saying, you know what? God will supply all your need because all you've ever done is take care of me and others. When you minister to others, God ministers to you. That's a great verse, but make sure you're doing the previous verses before you claim that one. And when you've given your money away and you don't have enough money, somehow you get through. Somehow you actually, everybody wants a miracle. Let me show you a miracle where you've given away your money and you have nothing left and all of a sudden it's enough. God just does it, folks. All right. Almsgiving is more than just caring for the poor. It is a Christian powerfully acting in the kingdom of God and affecting the world for good. 
when you give without thinking, without analyzing, without predicting, without planning, and you just, listen here, I just want to give you, and here's a gospel track. Would you read this? Can I read this to you right now? I want to tell you, God loves you and I do too. It, it, you're actually doing what the government never can, and that is you're bringing the kingdom of God into that moment. Almsgiving is expected of us, not just of the pastor. You would expect me to give. You would expect me to do the, all the things in the Bible. That's for every Christian. So here's the question. Do you live to give, or do you really just live to take? And if you have been in the place where people have been a blessing to you, good. Thank them. We ought to be great givers and great thankers. Amen? But it's a question for the heart. Your brain can't analyze it. When you start analyzing money, guess what? You freak out. <laughs> I don't have enough. It's a question for the heart. Because when a person gets born again, that heart is made alive. It loves, and it loves to give. If your heart has not been changed, you're still only focused on yourself, you really think only about your money, your job, your career, your life, your view, on what people think of you, if that's all you think about, the devil has a grip on you, God doesn't. God doesn't want perfect people. God doesn't want successful people. He wants servants who give and end up poor. Because in heaven, they'll be the richest ever. God can change your heart. God can change your heart. You know, if God gets your heart, your wallet will open easier. Would you agree with that? Your eyes will notice people's needs more. God has your heart. Your ears will be more open to people's sorrows. Your shoulders won't mind carrying other people's burdens. And your home will be a place that welcomes people who never could repay you. Let's let Jesus change the hardest of hearts this morning. Stand and let's bow our heads in prayer. And why don't you ask God to give you a giving heart? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now there's plenty of people who'd say, well, there's so many people, and they're just taking advantage. They're taking advantage of social welfare. They're taking advantage of kind people. You know, I understand all that, so be wise in giving, but don't be stingy in giving. Find a way to love somebody who only wants to take from you. Find a way to give them the gospel. Find a way to have compassion, because a lot of people see charity, and they see people giving, but they don't see love. And I have read in my Bible that God's kingdom is a kingdom of love. So, Lord, as we bow our heads in prayer right now, this is a message for the heart. And unfortunately, the minds and the heads of most everybody is screaming and yelling and fighting to protect a hard heart. And we ought to be changed from the inside, deepest part of our hearts to give. And you allow, and you even show us poor and poverty, it'll never be eradicated. Because we need to see opportunities to bless, never to look down, never to judge, but to have compassion, mercy given.
because it changes us and we need change, Lord. We need change. We say we love one another. <laughs> but when it comes to the test, I wonder. So Lord, bless this message to the people in this room and to our community. In Jesus' name, amen.